It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello and welcome to the third and the Don Football Show. I am Joe with me is Cecil. As always, we're here to talk NFL draft. We've been kind of MIA for the last couple months, as we usually do in the offseason. Teams have changed. There have been new free agent signings. Uh, a lot has happened, but we're we're draft guys. We're ready for the draft, and this is a big event. We're going to be having a live show for the draft, as we do every year. I believe this year it's going to be on YouTube. But first, Cecil, how are you doing? What's been going on with your life for the last three months? Oh, you know, I've just been vacationing. Um, in the South Pacific, um, really just enjoying life overall. Um, but now, you know, I've just been, uh, laying low, you know, just getting through, hopefully, uh, the reopening with COVID things continues and, uh, we get back to normal soon. Um, I mean, it's, I'm just, you know, just been hanging out, enjoying the off season a little bit and. You know, researching a lot of draft stuff, so I'm definitely excited for what's coming up next week. I am as well. It's one of the best times of the year. We had March Madness. We have, you know, we had NFL playoffs. We have March Madness. We have NFL draft, and uh, just a lot of the good times of the year are in these months. And it's, it's a, I think, you know, for us, it's a good way to kind of, as you said, the draft happens and things start opening back up for COVID. Hopefully, in the next couple months, we can start having some more fun. Um, but there's going to be – this is going to be a crazy draft because of COVID too. Like there are some players who opted out the 2020 season, which is good and bad for both some players in different positions. It, it goes both ways. There have been so many different – like there's no combine. There's been so many different pro days with all the pro day 40 times showing that people are running faster than what we expected. Pretty much every prospect is running fast. Um, so it's going to be crazy. The trades have already started and – I, I'm really excited to see what happens because I think this is going to be the craziest draft we've ever seen, Cease. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, there is no combine, so all this data coming from pro days is always going to be a little skewed, as it always seems to be. But really, that's all, if you're looking for measurables and things like that, that's really all you have to go off of. I mean, this should be a draft that should be a lot more based on tape, but the other big problem here is, a lot of top prospects, you know, sat out in 2020 or they shortened seasons or so there was just a lot of unknowns because guys didn't get the chance, you know, have that extra season to develop. Um, you know, some guys haven't played in a year or if they got hurt the year before, two years even. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there, there are a lot of question marks about some prospects. And with this draft more than ever with the QB class and, you know, people's preferences for one over the other. I mean, trades could happen. I mean, we're probably locked in with three QBs in the first three picks. We might get even up to four. Um, and then, there, you know, there's some great positional players on offense. Um, but, yeah, so it, it really is a draft unlike any other so far. Um, I'm very excited for it, and there's a lot of big names going in this draft. And like we were talking about earlier, pretty much after, once the third pick hits, whatever happens there can really define – what the heck happens for the you know next half of the first round? So it really is exciting. 
it's going to be a fun one for sure. And as you know, as you're talking about how crazy it's been, and because of COVID and everything, and a lot of these teams trading up and down, we're going to start off our talk with going through each position, going through our favorite prospects at each position. We'll each do about five for each each position, and then we'll go to more broad things. Because if we start talking about what team needs this or what team needs that or what they're going to pick in this spot. Guess what? Another trade is going to happen, and this is going to be totally outdated. So we're going to do it kind of differently, but we'll talk more broad uh, about about the draft in general after this, you know, going through the prospects and see if there's no better start, to, but no better place to start than the quarterback position. So, who are your favorite prospects, and in what order? Yeah, I mean QB Trevor Lawrence one. Everybody knows that. There's really no uh, no question marks there. Um, I mean, he's got all the physical tools, you know, he has good tape through his years in Clemson. I'm not, I'm not as high on Trevor Lawrence as other people are. I don't think he's the second coming or anything. Um, but he definitely is the best QB prospect this year. Um, honestly, my biggest knock on him is I feel like he hasn't really improved in the years he's kind of been there. I mean, I feel like he didn't get any better last year. Um, it was just kind of the same thing we saw. I mean, he was already great. And, you know, he's got the big arm, the prototypical height, uh, produced, you know, at a big program like that. Um, so, I mean, it's hard to really find flaws, but I feel like at times, you know, the guy who's just always the number one, um, doesn't really struggle through adversity can be a problem with transitioning to the NFL. But for all intents and purposes, you take Trevor Lawrence one, you have to. There's no argument that any of these quarterbacks uh, are better than him. I mean, he's the most complete prospect um, in this year's draft. Uh, number two for me, I'm, I'm going Zach Wilson. I think the athletic ability, um, you know, the leadership and the drive. Um, you know, he's got plus arm strength. It's not, you know, elite by any means, but he's able to make throws on the run. able you know, really – He's very intuitive in a lot of ways like Joe Burrow was last year. He's able to diagnose defenses and what scheme they're in pretty quickly. Um, so that's why a lot of people like him and I do as well. Um, my biggest knock on him at this point is you kind of look at some of the stat lines where he plays a Power 5 team versus a non-Power 5 team, and the stats really do change. So. It worries me that he doesn't do as well against top-level competition a lot of the time. Um, but, I mean, still, you take those prospects, you can't always just go off of stats. Um, you know, he did play at a smaller school at BYU, so um, he's my number two. Three, this is kind of where everyone is really diverging more than anyone. I'm going Justin Fields. Um, I think he's the most athletic prospect of all the guys. Um, he has a good arm, really good accuracy. Um, I think his biggest problem sometimes is just his decision-making uh, more than anything. So I think that's something he can work on. And I think he's just kind of getting a bad rap because a lot of people say Ohio State hasn't produced any good college quarterbacks, which I understand they really haven't done any good NFL quarterbacks, but at the same time, because I thought about this a lot. I mean, what school really is known for producing NFL quarterbacks at this point? Um, I mean, it really is hard to say. You know, there's not really one school that goes, wow, they really, you know, know how to turn them out. It's not like Alabama when it comes to running backs or Penn State for all those years with linebackers. I mean, 
it seems like you never know who is going to be the top QB. You know, it's number one university has the top, you know, quarterback prospect year in and year out. So for anybody to just say that Ohio State can't produce an NFL-level quarterback, I mean, find me all the schools that really do year in and year out. Um, so Fields is my three, four, going Trey Lance. Um, Trey Lance, you know, he's also kind of very athletic. Um, biggest problem with him, though, is just, one, it's North Dakota State. Um, two, very limited, you know, game tape from this year because they had such a short season. Um, I mean, a lot of things about Trey Lance are we were projecting and, you know, waiting for him to take the next level last year in college. Uh, but, you know, they didn't really get the opportunity to show that in a full season. So a lot of him is uh, projection at this point, at least in my eyes. And then last you got Mac Jones, who is skyrocketing up draft boards. Um, and to me, he's just the classic Christian Ponder, um, you know, Jake Locker, just these guys who slip into the first round that don't, you know, have plus arm talent or, or nest, you know, have a decent amount of flaws in their game. But, you know, they just kind of look like your normal quarterback prospect and somebody gets desperate and wants to have their quarterback in the future, so to speak. And they uh, trade up or decide to take this guy. And it really, really goes well because, you know, usually they're not even a top, you know, a first-round grade on most of these guys that get drafted like that. But Mac Jones does have good pocket awareness, good pocket presence. But other than that, um, he's not very athletic at all. Um, he doesn't really have the greatest arm strength. Um, he's not as good, accurate of a downfield thrower. Um, he did play at Alabama, which for all the top competition they do face, he also had pretty much an elite team around him almost at all times. So there's some questions about how well he will develop as a quarterback in the NFL. Because some people really like him, think, you know, they like how good he is in the pocket, but I feel like his skill sets are truly limited, and he's, you know, been in school for a, a little while longer, so that is why he's looks like a more polished prospect at times. All righty. We have similar top fives, but a little bit of a change here. Trevor Lawrence, for me, is the top quarterback in the class. Um, I do think he is a once every eight, nine-year quarterback. I have him a little bit better ranked than Burrow, but Burrow is kind of right behind him, too, after his great season um, two years ago at LSU. Trevor Lawrence is is just Andrew Luck. If you're going to find a comp for him, it's pretty much the same thing. They're they're big, strong-arm guys who are athletic enough to run if called upon. Uh, They understand football at a very high level. Uh, and they're, they're the guy, like, it's he's the obvious number one pick. If they take anyone else, it'll A, be shocking, and B, be dumb. Um, so, I, it just, it is what it is with Trevor Lawrence. Moving on, Justin Fields is my number two. As you said, the most athletic passer in the, or, or quarterback in the draft. Uh, he can run it. He can pass it. The thing I like about him the most is he only runs when he has to. I think even Ohio State fans would say there were opportunities where he could have run more, and he didn't. Um I think it's I think it's good because of that. My biggest problem with him is kind of the same as what you had. It's decision making. A lot of times he trusts his arm too much. He tries to fit the ball in between the linebackers and safeties. 
or the corner and the safety, and the safety will pick it off. Uh, he played poorly against Northwestern when some of his teammates were out, um, but he had a great game against Clemson. He's tough. Uh, he's a guy, a, t- a guy I think that teams will be happy drafting in this draft class. Zach Wilson is my three for BYU. Uh, for me, it's, it's you know, and just to, I guess, get my comp out of live for Justin Fields too, like Dak Prescott-esque, I think is kind of what he is. Zach Wilson is kind of like a Kyler Murray, maybe a little bit undersized, a little bit skinny, but they got the arm to make the throws. He's mobile. He can get out of the pocket. You know, it's when things break down, he can make things happen. Uh, he's made some of the more ridiculous throws. If you had to pick a quarterback to just make some of the circus throws in this draft, it would be Zach Wilson as the guy you would take. Uh, this is a risky pick for me, though. He is a little bit smaller, which doesn't mean everything now. We know that. But, you know, he looks a little bit fragile sometimes. He got hurt in 2019. He only has maybe a year and a half of starting experience, maybe kind of like two years because uh, he got hurt in his in his second year. Um, and as you said, anytime he played a Power 5 team, it did not go well. So you're taking a jump from BYU, which is a good school. They're independent. But then you got to play NFL-level talent. That's where I, I kind of – I don't know. You're kind of projecting his skill set and saying, hey, if he maybe if he played on Alabama and had all these players around him, he could do better in college. At the NFL level, maybe he could do better too. Uh, he's a guy that I think traditionally you may want to sit a year, but that's just not a likely scenario in the NFL at this day and age. Uh, number four for me, Trey Lance, kind of a Cam Newton-esque quarterback for me. He's a, a bit of, actually probably a better thrower at, at this point in his career. Uh, he's a he's a guy who does have good running ability. He has good size. Um, I think he he probably was hurt more than any other player in this class that the FCS did not have a season. Like, yes, he's still a top four quarterback, but I think with the full season he could have improved his stock even more. Maybe been been the second quarterback in this class. Uh, but he had the one game against Central Arkansas, and it was kind of up and down. It was kind of a fluke game that they basically scheduled to get him another game under his under his uh, belt before he went pro. I'm unsure. He's just inexperienced. I think he needs to work on his ball placement a little bit more, but he has the potential to be a really good quarterback too. The top four, I think, are a step ahead of everyone else in the class. My fifth is Mac Jones as well. I think – He's just like he's like a Mac Mac Jones is just like a Kirk Cousins, Andy Dalton type in the fact that you're gonna get a guy who can win if he has all the talent around him. He proved that at Alabama. He had all the talent around him, they won. But if you're asking him to go into a bad situation, he's not gonna game change. He's not gonna be the game changer and, and make everything be be happy. It's it's gonna it's gonna cause more pain than good. He's I, I think the NFL draft is more about drafting traits, and he doesn't have any traits that are elite. He has a bunch of bunch bunch of traits that are acceptable, um, but not not anything that really pops off the tape. That he is excellent at this. This is what he's the best at in this class, and that's to me maybe a little bit of a problem. I have a late second round pick grade on Mac Jones with quarterbacks. How they go? He will be taken in the first round this year. I would not take him until late first round, but the NFL teams are going to do pick him higher and maybe even possibly third overall. So. I don't really see it that way. I think he's a safety pick, like second round guy. We're like, hey, this is a guy who can maybe fill in if Andy Dalton for the Bears doesn't work out. Like, you know, that, that's the type of guy I see him as. But apparently I might be missing something because NFL teams might see him as a future pro star quarterback. I don't know. 
All right, those are our quarterback rankings. Only difference there is that you had Zach Wilson, two, and I had Justin Fields, two. Otherwise, the same. We're moving on to running backs now. See, so this is a running back class that has a, a decent amount of talent in it, but just the position has been kind of beaten to heck with the, the fact that this is not as important anymore. So I don't know if any of these guys will be first-round picks or anything. They might be, but there's, there's some good guys in our top five, I bet. Yeah, I mean, the running back class this year, kind of key is there's some good guys at the top, but um, kind of the middle-tier guys are almost non-existent in this draft. You know, we get the first couple running backs. I'd say the first about three guys really are very good guys that deserve to go, you know, the you know, sack it maybe top of the third round. And then after that, I think the really does, the bottom kind of falls out. And uh, some of these guys, you know, it's not, it's a deep class, but there's no middle tier kind of. Either a top tier running back in my eyes, or you're one of the guys who'd probably be going, you know, fourth, fifth round at the highest. So um, I'll break down my top five. Uh, for me, I'm a big uh, Najee Harris fan. Um, he's my number one. Uh, for me, it's just the size. He's not absolutely the fastest running back out there. But he shows, you know, he's a serviceable, uh, can catch balls out of the backfield. He's very serviceable there. And uh, blocks pretty well in pass protection as well, which is a huge thing, especially for younger running backs coming into the NFL. Um, you know, I see almost a Derrick Henry-esque comp here. Um, obviously, he's a little bit different build than he is. But, I mean, he's a big, big running back. He keeps his legs turning, and he has, you know, he runs at a good pad level. So I think, you know, I get that the NFL has kind of evolved in a lot of ways and running backs aren't used in the same way. But sometimes you really, if, you get, if he gets in the right offense that really wants to just have a power run game and punish teams, I think he could be one of the best running backs in the NFL. Um, so he's my number one here. I mean, right behind him, it's really a 1A, 1B kind of deal because uh, they do things so differently. It's, uh, Travis, uh, and then here it comes every year. Travis Etienne. Is it Etienne? How I, how do I say it? I've heard it Etienne from Kirk Herbstreet a lot. I, I could be wrong, but I'm going off Kirk Herbstreet there. I, we'll go with Travis Etienne then. Um, really, you know, in a lot of ways, he is the anti-Najee Harris here. Uh, he's all about, you know, speed and explosive and, you know, catching the ball out of the backfield. That's what he's all about. Um, you know, everybody's kind of really in that pass-catching running back kind of deal. It's like uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire last year. Um, you know, people want running backs that you can dump the ball off to or do a design screen plays and really can be explosive in that game. Um, you know, he's got good size. You know, he's kind of your prototypical faster running back. I don't know if he has absolutely ridiculous speed in the way that you'd like from a, a top running back of that way, but I mean, he's he had a great career at Clemson um, has shown the ability to really catch balls out of the backfield, so I think he'll have a very good NFL career. It's, it's just so weird with these running backs at this point because it's almost become this just plug-and-play position where a lot of people, unless you're a top five running back, it almost feels like it doesn't matter. Um, Number three, and um, that I'm definitely got to go with um, Javante Williams out of North Carolina. Uh, you know, he's kind of really the last 
really good running back in this class. Um, I mean, he shows power and quickness as a runner. Um, he does have the potential to be a three-down back as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he showed, you know, he was a tough runner, can run really downhill, um, and really overwhelmed some defenses that uh, North Carolina faced. So um, I think he really is a very good running back, kind of a mixture of the first two in a lot of ways. Um, you know, he's a decent route runner and can, has good field vision as well. Um, not the absolute fastest guy, though, by any means, so that's kind of what's holding him back more than anything. Um, number four, I'm going to go Kenny Gainwell. You know, I see him more as, you know, a fourth-round prospect, so really I think all the top three of those guys will be gone by the end of the second and Gainwell. There won't probably be another running back, I think, in the third round. Um, so Kenny Gainwell out of Memphis, you know, he's kind of more a faster guy. He did opt out of the 2020 season. Um, so there's kind of a little bit of question mark there. Um, you know, he had a pretty good redshirt freshman season in 19. Um, you know, you know, kind of, you know, it looks like 14, 1400 yards, 13 touchdowns in that year. Um, and was a really good receiver out of the backfield as well. Um, so he's kind of just an explosive guy, but, and, problem with him is there's not enough tape and you know he didn't really have that extra year to really show how he's developed and he did play at Memphis which is you know not really a power five team by any means um and then last for me I like Trey Sermon um for me he's not by any means a great running back but he's a nice you know goal line back you know kind of that classic big 10 plotter to me um he doesn't have elite, he's not very fast by any means, but I mean, he, I mean, he, he just does, he has a well-rounded game in a lot of ways. Um, he runs hard. And, I mean, he's kind of just your classic power back. That's going to carry somebody with him. He is not really that much receiving talent by any means, but overall, I think he, he has the pedigree. He's played, you know, tough defenses, and I really think he has the ability to kind of stay around in the league for a little bit. So that rounds out my top five. All right, similar list for me. Uh, we're going to start at the top with Najee Harris. Uh, as, as you said, he's a he can do everything. Um, saw him jumping over guys in the college football playoff. If this were 15 years ago, he probably would be a top 10, top 15 pick. Uh, this year, I'm not, I'm not really seeing it that way. A team could pull the trigger on him, though. Uh, pass protection, catching passes, you know, a little bit of work to do still in that area. But he's hes going to be a three-down back in the NFL if someone gives him the opportunity. Uh, Travis Etienne is my number two from Clemson. As you said, speed, explosiveness, acceleration. Uh, he runs hard. He, he I, I think, you know, could really – in a lot of in a lot of ways at Clemson, he really outran a lot of players that I thought were really fast, too, and just – really popped off the tape for me it's you know more of a he has to continue growing as a pass catcher he did a really good job of growing in that way the last two years at Clemson and pass pro as well um and also just kind of a little quirk for me that he doesn't really do well is he runs really fast and really quick in a straight line but in the open field he doesn't really use many moves he tries to outrun people like he'll try to get the edge and get the angle on a, on a defensive back instead of trying to put a move on and get around him, which is it's worked for him at Clemson, but 
he might need to have a little bit more wiggle in his game at the NFL level. Uh, Javante Williams is three for me, the running back out of North Carolina. This is a guy I, I think is kind of like a Mike Davis running back. Mike Davis had a big year for Carolina this year. He's now with Atlanta. Uh, but he's he proved he can do a bunch of different things. Uh, he's he's a bigger running back. He's a power back. But he also caught the ball well this year in, in kind of replacing uh, excuse me Christian McCaffrey. He did a good job of that. Javante Williams can do all of those things. Uh, lacks the top end speed, kind of like Mike Davis. Uh, I think Mike Davis may run a little bit faster than Javante. Um, but Javante's a he's a he's a weeble wobble man. You can you can beat him up, but he doesn't fall down. So he's a guy who has probably the best contact balance in the class and will make a team very happy. Could be a three down back if given the opportunity. If not, um, I think he at least starts his career as maybe a goal line back or maybe a maybe a guy who gets some spare touches in, in short yarded situations and really expands his role from there. Four for me is Kenny Gainwell as well. Um, keep in mind, he basically, Antonio, the last year they played, Antonio Gibson was on Memphis, now the running back of the Washington football team. He played wide receiver and got some snaps at running back. Kenny Gainwell was the starting running back uh, for Memphis. Uh, I would say they're, they're going to be similar types of running backs. Uh, this is These are guys who can both kind of be more dynamic with the way they play. They're, they're kind of good in space. Uh, they can both go out, split wide, and catch the ball. It's it's they're very similar in that sense. They're coming from the same Memphis offense, um, this is a guy I think that you want to have as maybe your third down back to start or a pass catching back to start, and then maybe increase his role if he shows he can do a good job. My fifth running back is the other North Carolina running back, Michael Carter. Uh, he's a senior from North Carolina, and he just. Basically, Javante Williams was the was the smash, and he was the dash, and he's had a, a an insane amount of, of yards per carry. He's good in the open field. He makes people miss. He's got speed. He is a little bit small, and that concerns me. But in a limited role, much like I said with Kenneth Gainwell to start his career, uh, I think that he could be a really productive back on third downs and, and even in special special situations. So Michael Carter is going to round up my top five. Uh Let's let's just keep on rolling with wide receivers, Cease. So let's go with top five. This is a very deep wide receiver class, and especially there's some really good ones that are going to be taken in the first round this year, Cease. Um, there really are. I mean, I think this is a just as good of a receiver class, if not a little better, because the guys at the top compared to last year, which was already a very deep receiver class as well. Um, number one, I got to go with Jamar Chase. Um, you know, put up a heck of a pro day, really cemented himself as the number one. Uh, pick is really the only thing that anyone really questioned more than anything was his speed. Um, really, I mean, he didn't look or seem like he would be absolutely blazing speed guy, but he managed to run, you know, depending on the run, four three four, four three eight, up in the numbers going around after his pro day. Um, so you know, once you get sub four four, that's that's all you really need. Um, he's excellent at high pointing the ball as well. Um, great route runner, um, really just a physical goes up and gets it kind of guy. Um, a lot of people like to say he's like a shorter Larry Fitzgerald in a lot of ways from the way he's able to just possess the ball. Um, you know, he can really be, and you know, he doesn't have a leak speed, but he you know, has more than enough, um, you know, put up arguably the best season of a receiver all time with Joe Burrow last year or two years ago when LSU won the national championship, you know, over 1,700 passing or receiving yards and 
20 touchdowns. I mean, that's elite. Um, and, he, you know, he did all that at 19 years old, so his breakout age is absolutely, you know, off the charts. So there's everything you everything you want out of a receiver, you've seen out of Jamar Chase, and you saw it at a very young age. Um, there's no reason for him not to be the number one receiver off the board. Um, number two, I'm going with Waddle because um, I, I think, you know, there's a real question here because Devontae Smith's my three. I'll just reveal that now. Um, that's kind of the big debate between a lot of people here. Um, I know Devontae Smith had a great season, but Waddle, I think, has the better chance to be a great NFL pro. Um, just because I think I think he has better speed. Um, I think, you know, he has better ability to make kind of sudden movements and he kind of really accelerates. So I think he really has that chance to really develop even further on the NFL level. Um, he does have, you know, a little bit of an injury concern there. But overall, I think he just plays, you know, he's a little bit better uh, weight and just has a better potential in the NFL. Uh, biggest thing with Devontae Smith and why he's my number three here is not that he does put up a great season and, you know, he had, you know, won the Heisman, all those things. But it doesn't really seem like there's much more to Devontae Smith like there's not really a chance he's going to get much better. And that's the big thing you know, look at with these prospects sometimes is it's not a question of, you know, how well they did in college. Obviously that is always going to be a factor. You want to see a guy who performed well with top level competition. But the other part of the projection is, all right, we've seen his game. What is the potential of his game even improving further? Because there's a lot of questions about his size. I mean, you're playing weight at being 170 pounds. and the NFL, he's going to have to break the mold completely because there's not really a receiver that's been able to play that weight and last very long in the NFL. Um, you know, that's not he can. Um, he does, you know, I think he is a good talent and he has that chance. But ultimately, it's just, you know, it's we're in on no waters. That's what freaks out a lot of scouts as well about him. I mean, he's an excellent route runner. Um, that's kind of where he and he's able to really make things happen, make people miss in space. But he's not an elite speed guy. Um, he's not necessarily the strongest guy by any means. So that's kind of the big concern. It's just we don't know where the projection's going to be, what his durability is going to be, and really, you know, what's going to happen there. So we're kind of in unknown water. Um, for me, I'm a big uh I like Rashad Bateman a lot as my number four. Um, I think he's just one of the better prospects. I think he's got pretty good speed as well. Um, just had a great season with Minnesota. Uh, you know, I think he's very good at route running as well, which I really like out of NFL starter. Um, but really, I mean, he's got good size. I think, you know, he'll be kind of, he's almost NFL ready. He can just come in and compete immediately. Um, so for me, you know, I think he's going to be a good receiver in the NFL. Um, and then for me, I've got uh, Kadarius Tani um, as my number four, or I'm sorry, number five here. Um, you know, just a very speedy guy, kind of your burner threat. Um, you know, I think he's going to have to go to the right team. Um 
there are some concerns kind of about his durability as well. But I mean, that, I mean, kind of that one step burst and just being able to really be a home run threat at all times is something NFL teams cherish, but can also be kind of a, a risk. In a lot of ways, it's it kind of reminds me of John Ross in a lot of ways, except for he's just, you know, he's a little bit bigger, a little taller. Um, but, I mean, you got that deep threat kind of deal and uh, some questions about durability going in. And, you know, sometimes it does worry me because there's a lot of these guys we've seen through the years that almost seem like gadget players more than real NFL receivers. Um but, yeah, and I mean, the list goes really on and on. I really like Karis Marshall, too. You know, I think he's got good speed and, you know, is a good, you know, height for a receiver. Um, you know, excellent coming out of LSU. Uh, Rondell Moore is also great out of Purdue. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, you can find, I mean, even, you know, Naomi Brown out of North Carolina, um, the kid out of Louisville, Tani, um, so really, I mean, this is a great – if you're looking for a receiver in the first couple rounds, um, you're in a good spot. The real problem is not if you need a receiver, but if you need an outside receiver, that's always kind of more going to be the challenge because a lot – there's a lot less of those guys, I think, after you get pet through round one. Um, most of these guys are more, you know, slot guys and, you know, people that are more gimmicky and – fit certain positions, not necessarily your prototypical outside receiver that you really need in the NFL to uh, be a great team, unless you're the 49ers out there who basically can draw up anything. So, yeah, they, they just they just dra- draft all the slot receivers and make them all stars. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, all right, I liked your list. I'm going uh, similar, again, similar list, not the same, though. Uh, starting off with Jamar Chase. He's the same grade I had Jerry Judy last year. Um, different different types of players, but Jamar Chase, I think some of the questions about him may have been the long speed. His 40 time indicated he has some speed. I'm not going to, you know, until we see it on tape, I don't think, you know, play speed and 40 time speed is, is different. Uh, so, I, I don't know, maybe that, that could be something teams don't like, but he's six foot and he plays like he's six four. He wins these jump balls. Joe Burrow trusted him and just threw it up and he went and got it and that's why he had such a good season. He's he's got the strength. He's got he's got the route running. He's got the hands. Um, I think he's going to be a very good player at the next level. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, second for me is Devonte Smith. I think he is the best in terms of fundamentals at the wide receiver position in this draft class. I, and I don't even know if it's it's really close. I don't know. Um, he's a guy who knew he was too small for the position or quote unquote too small for the position, knew he wasn't the fastest, knew he wasn't the strongest. And he focused on the fundamentals. So he is a really good route runner. He has really good hands and not hand, not just hands that, um, you know, he, that when he's open, he makes catches, but he makes contested catches too, which is crazy for a player of his size. And he also, I think understands the game pretty well too. Um, I think he's, his route running is going to be the thing that puts him over the top. A lot of people watching this, the, the, the major comp that's been made to him that I love is Chad Ochocinco, Chad Johnson. Maybe a little bit undersized, but if you can if you can move those feet like that, you can make carve out a role for yourself in the NFL as a very good player. Jalen Waddle's my number three coming off that injury. He did play in the national championship game, even though he was limping uh, with a foot injury after he, he returned a kick and got hurt against Tennessee. Uh, he's more of a slot guy. He can play outside. 
but he's shifty, more more acceleration oriented, lots of yards after the catch. He could be a game changer. I, you know, obviously the medical stuff has to check out, but he did play the last game of the season, uh, and and I think he could be a game changer if a team ideally needs a slot guy or someone to open things up from the slot. He can be that guy for sure. Uh, but he, again, he can also play outside. Number four is Rashad Bateman for me too. He's a guy who has this size. He's got some. He's got a little bit of route running ability. Um, he's he's one of the receivers that I think more so is kind of like I would say maybe prototypical wide receiver for the outside in this draft because even Jamar Chase isn't isn't the tallest on the outside. But Bateman um, Bateman has a chance to be. You know, he, he measured in at six feet, but it looked like he was playing at at, at more at, at a bigger excuse me, at a better height as well. So he's got the jump ball ability just like Chase. He's got the body control. He's a good route runner. He's got solid hands. I think a team who takes him in the middle of the first or, or even the late first will be very happy with him. And then my fifth is Rondale Moore. He is small. He is a slot receiver. He's a gadget player. That's all fine with me. He is explosive, very explosive. Uh, Cecil, he, he is from Louisville Trinity, a, uh, a school that we know well, a high school we know very well. Um, at Purdue, he was doing things that I've never seen a Purdue player do in a long, long time. Uh, great run after the catch. The whole game plan for him is just get the ball in his hands and let him work. Did struggle with some injuries, but I do think that when healthy, he was an absolute game changer that took a Purdue program that was honestly not that good and made them pretty good. So, I think he's my number five, but as you said, there's some other guys down here that I like too. Uh, if you're in the first round and you take Darius Tony, or if you take Terrace Marshall or Elijah Moore, I'm okay with it. And then the second round or third round, there's guys like Cade Johnson from South Dakota State, Tywin Wallace, Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, just so many that you can just keep on listing them off. Uh, very deep wide receiver class. That's the way the game's going. And And if you don't get a wide receiver first round, I think you might get a solid one later on. Moving on to tight end, see, so this uh, this is a really good tight end class too. We got a unicorn at the top. We got some solid guys underneath him. Who you got in your top five, buddy? Um, well, Kyle Pitts is one. Um, <laughs> that goes without saying. He's a generational prospect. Um, you know, you can slap a wide receiver designation on him, and he'd still go top ten. And I mean, he's he's that good. I mean, he's a huge target at six five. You know, he runs a four four forty. So he's got ex- excellent speed, especially with someone that size. Um, you know, great character guy, um, you know, willing to put in the work, only wants to get better. Um, you know, his blocking isn't elite by any means, but he's he's willing to, and he, and he does a, a more than enough job and is willing to work on it and do what needs to be done. Uh, but his, I mean, his pass-catching skills, you can – line him up, you know, right outside the tackle. You could line him up in the slot. You could even line him out up on the outside. I mean, he's a matchup nightmare for anybody that takes him. Really, the biggest thing for him is, you know, as long he gets taken by a team that will utilize a tight end because even to this day, there are a lot of teams in the NFL that don't know how to properly utilize that position. A lot of them just throw the guys in as an extra blocker who every once in a while will go out for a little blue pass and for five to ten yards that's really the hit for him um but a lot of the elite teams in the nfl do have an elite tight end i mean you just look at the chiefs the 49ers um the great tight ends in this game you know so i mean he's absolutely great everybody knows that um you know he 
I'm sure he's either he's should be a top five pick. That's a great on him. I think he's probably, I'd say, the second best player in this class, right behind uh, Trevor Lawrence, who I have as one. Um, and he's going to be a great NFL player, and a lot of people are going to be probably sitting there, uh, especially if he falls, you know, somehow to seven or eight, going, "Why didn't I draft that guy?" Um, but number two, we got Pat Fire, we got Pat Fryermuth out of Penn State. Um, you know, he's kind of he would be the number one tight end in a lot of classes. Um, he's probably in, you know, he's a second round prospect in my eyes. Um, you know, a good receiver. Um, not absolutely elite. He doesn't have really great speed, but you know, he is athletic and, um, I mean, he's got kind of a high floor and he is a, I'd say above average blocker. Um, so, I mean, there are a lot of things about him to like, he does a lot of things very well and I think he can develop further in the NFL. Um, my number three, I'm a big Tommy Tremble fan out of Notre Dame. Um, absolutely loves blocking and you know that's something you don't see from a lot of tight ends these days everybody wants to be the big uh passing threat and everything i you know from what we see from him i think he has more than enough athletic ability to be that kind of safety blanket and reliable for a lot of quarterbacks um you know i think he really didn't get much of an opportunity at notre dame to be a pass catcher as much but you watch some of this tape with these blocking and it is nasty it's it's fun to watch it's fun to see a guy just go out there and, and get somebody, you know, and not be afraid to block. And that's that's his main goal. That's what he wants to do. And, you know, I I take that as, you know, if, if you're wanting a kind of nasty run game kind of guy, I take Tom Tremble and, you know, probably the third round. Um, number four for me, I'm going with uh, Brevin Jordan. Um, he's one of those more undersized tight ends, 6'2". Um, you know, he's athletic kind of pass rusher, or not pass rusher, or pass catcher, I should say. Um, really, he really needs to work on his blocking and route running more than anything. He kind of gets by on his athleticism. Um, you know, he kind of just projects as an undersized tight end that can be a good receiving threat at the tight end position. Um, We've known this for years. I'm not a huge fan of guys that are just receiving tight ends that can't really block as well. To this day, Mike Gusecki still angers me, and we <laughs> we still talk about him. Um, but, yeah, so that's my big thing. I've, I've always been on the camp of, you know, I can kind of teach a guy to run routes and, and catch the ball, but I can't really teach a guy to become a good blocker if he's not really shown the willingness at this point to – really learn that because i mean that's a huge part of the tight end position you don't have to be elite you know kyle pitts is an elite tight blocking tight end by any means but i'd rather have a guy who i know can block and go out for you know five ten yard pass and catch the ball than some guy who's basically just a slot receiver and is going to be a liability really when i need him to line up on the line so that's my top four and then five really it's, it's hunter long you know, he's definitely a, probably more of a late fourth round guy. Um, he's kind of a, you know, he's a good functional blocker, um, you know, reliable hands kind of guy, not overly dynamic or athletic. But, I mean, he's another kind of, a lot of ways he's like Austin Hooper. He's not going to wow you with any traits, but 
you know, he, he is that reliable guy that can do, you know, both equally blocking and receiving decently well. All right, some more lists again. I'll uh, start it off with Kyle Pitts. Unicorn, you said everything just about you could say about him. Big, fast, strong. Um, I think his blocking's better than he gets credit for, and I think he's going to be a matchup problem at the next level. Uh, you know, he's just that good. Pat Fryermuth out of Penn State is number two for me. Um, can do a little bit of everything well. I, I don't. I'm not as high as other people. A lot of people say he's like a for sure fire first round pick. I, you know, he might get drafted at the end of the first round. I think his value is more second round, but he he can do a little bit of everything well, and that's that's something that teams like. He's been nicknamed Baby Gronk, and you know, I think he does a little bit of what Gronk does, but probably isn't going to live up to that type of hype. Uh, number three for me is Brevin Jordan, the tight end out of Miami. As you said, undersized, he didn't test well athletically, but on tape, he is a mismatch because, you know, the safeties still aren't big enough sometimes to, to match up with them, and he's more athletic than linebackers. There's a lot of opportunity there. there there's there's people who – there's, I think, offensive coordinators who will be able to use him well and, and display that uh, mismatch uh, uniqueness that he has. Four for me is Tommy Tremble. You know, he's my fourth tight end. He might be my favorite player in the entire class. Uh, we talked about him just watching Notre Dame, Notre Dame games this year. Cease. He loves to block more than any human I've ever seen love blocking. <laughs> he destroys people. And it's it's amazing. Like, he's not the biggest tight end. Uh, he's like 6'3", 6'4", 240 pounds. They can line him up at tight end. They can line him up at H-back, at fullback. As a lead blocker, he's good. He can fit so many roles for a team. And he's just going to blow someone up. And he's a guy who, you know, everyone nowadays, if I say this, everyone would say, oh, you're crazy, you're crazy. He's a guy who kind of reminds me of George Kittle because George Kittle was drafted in the fifth round by the 49ers, and he was a guy who just loved to block. And he had athletic ability, but he didn't always get to display it at Iowa. And I think Tommy Tremble is similar. He loves to block. He's the best blocking tight end I've seen in a long time. And he has the athletic ability, but he does need to run better routes. And he also had really shitty quarterback play for me and Book. So I think there's a lot of upside. He gets a good quarterback, maybe starts as a tight end two and just starts killing it as a tight end two. I think he can develop a little bit more. He can work on his route running, and he can he can get a little bit better too. So I, I love Tommy Tremble. Number five for me, Hunter Long out of Boston College. I know that's your number five too. For me, this is a guy who's kind of a – you know, jack of all trades, master of not none, but he is a 6'5", 253-pound tight end who just – he's going to be a good target in the red zone. He's a good, you know, decently good run blocker. You're, I think he's the type of guy who's going to be in the NFL for a long time just because he does a lot of the things right. Let's go over to offensive tackle. See, it's another position where this class is deep. Oh, and I absolutely love – the offensive tackle class this year. It's been fun to just sit down. I mean, just the offensive linemen in general, but these tackles, man, it it really is a absolutely fantastic class. Um, I mean, you're going to get guys in the second round that would be easily first rounders in most classes. Um, but I'll, I'll just break down top five. Penetul uh, um, is my number one, um, you know, He's a huge, he's a big, big man, 6'4", 330 pounds, um, really a nasty blocker, um, really finishes off plays really well, um, excellent in the run game, 
very good pass protector as well. Um, got Heisman votes as a sophomore, you know, won the award for best offensive lineman. Opted out of last season, so a little bit of a problem with Penesul and why he's not an absolutely slam dunk elite prospect to, you know, some polished tackles. It's because he isn't fully polished. Um, you know, they're, you're kind of playing on a projection. You know, you know, he was fantastic at 19 years old, dominating in Oregon. But, you know, we haven't seen him play in a year, and there are some parts of his game where just projecting will improve over time. But, you know, that is the nature of prospects in a lot of ways. Um, honestly, the biggest thing he people want him to improve on is sometimes he lunges and overextends himself. Um, and that part of that just has to go with aggression, which we do love. And, you know, his arms are a little short for, you know, what you want from an offensive tackle. You know, there's 33 and a fourth. You know, a lot of people, you know, we're going by old adages. Some people won't take anybody with under 34-inch arms. But that's proven time and time again to not really be true. I mean, if you have the right footwork and, you know, you really have a powerful punch and football acumen, he'll be absolutely fine. Um, I think he will be a great NFL tackle. I, you know, the ceiling, I mean, the, the ceiling for him is, I mean, he honestly could become a Hall of Famer. I wouldn't be absolutely shocked by it. I mean, that is his ceiling. His floor is, you know, he's a Pro Bowl tackle year in and year out. So, absolutely great prospect. Uh, Rashawn Slater, you know, great prospect as well. Would be the number one tackle in a lot of classes if you didn't have the athletic freak that Penesul is. Um, uh, you know, just really a tactician out there. Um, not again, doesn't have the longest arms, but really, really good footwork. Um, very polished prospect. You know, being a little bit older. You know, being a uh, senior going into the NFL draft, he does have that experience. Um, a lot of things, I don't like that a lot of people just point to the Chase Young game when he played Chase Young at Ohio State two years ago and just point to that as, you know, the end-all, be-all. Um, but really, I don't think he has the same ceiling as Sewell, and that's why Sewell, in a lot of ways, is the better prospect. Um, but, I, you know, he's a Pro Bowl-level tackle or guard, depending on where you put him at. He's best going to be best in kind of a zone scheme. Um but really, I mean, I grade him really highly. I think he has really good tape and, like I said, very polished prospect. Um, Darius Shaw is going to be my number three out of Virginia Tech. Um, you know, another really big guy, 6'4", almost 6'5", 322 pounds. Um, really, you just want him to be more of a consistent finisher. That's kind of the problem with his game. Um, I mean... He moves very well for a guy his size. I mean, he has good testing. Um, you know, has good technique and everything. Um, a good bend as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that that is kind of his biggest thing is he doesn't have the same mean streak. Uh, but he is kind of in a lot of ways the prototypical build that you want out of your offensive tackle. So that is why he is high up on a lot of boards. Uh, you know, and has decent tape at uh, Virginia Tech as well. Uh, number four for me, I'm going with Tevin Jenkins, another, you know, absolutely massive offensive tackle. Um, you know, really needs to work better against speed rushers and guys with kind of that arcing edge rush. That's what he kind of struggled with in college. But, I mean, he's he has a lot of power and really 
right feet for a guy that's that size. Um, you know, I think he'll be a very solid NFL starter for a lot of years. I don't know if he's really going to be, you know, a pro bowl type every year, year in and year out, but I think he will be a very serviceable and reliable guy. Um, might struggle sometimes with those really, you know, guys who are going to, like I said, rush kind of in a big circle around him. And he does have those kind of shorter arms is a big reason why he does struggle. Um, and then five for me is going to be Sam, you know, Sam cost me out of Texas. Um, you know, at different times, depending on where you look at this guy, uh, you know, he was seen as a you know top half first round prospect at sometimes, but um, I mean, he doesn't have great power really, but he kind of makes up for that by being a smart player, great hand placement, um, really knows how to position himself, um, you know, and is able to really because of his technique stop those edge rushers that use speed a lot in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, he's really able to push people around in the run game. So um, I think he's one of those safer prospects as well in a lot of ways. Um, probably a little bit safer prospect than I think Jenkins is. But Jenkins, I think, just has a little bit better potential. Um, you know, and Costney could also go into guard because he is so technically sound. And that could help him out as well because he doesn't have that elite power. But... You know, he works inside that phone booth, as they like to call it. He could have, you know, even better potential there. And, I mean, and then really goes on and on. I mean, we're talking about guys you're going to get in round three that are going to be great. You know, you got Eichenberg out of Notre Dame. You got Walker Little is a kind of an interesting prospect because he does have kind of that all the mentionables you like out of a tackle, um, but really hasn't played a game of football in two years. Um, you know, you got Hudson out of Cincinnati, who's really – put together a good senior season. Brady Christensen out of BYU. Uh, I mean, I mean, the list, literally, I could name off 12 guys in this class. I go, I would love to have any of these guys. You know, you got Stone Forsythe now, Florida, that's going up boards. Um, I mean, it really does go on and on. And, I mean, if, if you're needing a tackle, this is the year. Because there's going to be guys in round three that – I think are going to be decent NFL starters for a long time. And a lot of these guys even have the flexibility to uh, switch inside to guard if needed. So, um, yeah, absolutely great tackle class. I agree, and that's why we're going to have a little bit of difference here. Um, but that's all right. We're going to start off with Penny Sewell for me as well. I think he's a future Hall of Famer. He's big. He moves well. He was doing things to the Auburn defensive line when he was a freshman that should not be possible for an 18-year-old kid. Um, and those were the Auburn defensive lines that had guys like Derek Brown, who was a top 10 pick, and, and and so many good edge rushers on that on that line. He was killing it, man. I, I, I see that tape over and over, and I I love Penn Sewell. Any team who drafts him is going to get someone I think they're going to love. Rashawn Slater's number two for me as well. As you mentioned, I don't like when people mention the Chase Young game because of the 10. He only played like 10 snaps against him, but he did do well against him. Um, he's a guy who, who again, is maybe, you know, at the bare minimum for what you want to attack, like a 6'4", kind of like Sewell. You don't want you don't want guys who are like 6'3 or 6'2 playing tackle usually. It does happen, but, uh, but he's athletic. He moves well. He tested well after taking 2020 off. He's going to be able to handle some of the more athletic edge rushers in the NFL because of that. 
Three for me is Christian Darisol. I think he's got some really good tape. He obviously probably had the best tape in this class for the 2020 season because Sewell and Slater didn't play, but he, he had good tape in his own right. Um, he's a guy who I think has a he's a good run blocker. He moves bodies. He's a great anchor. Um, he, he's a guy I think a team who's he's going to last in the league for a long time and a team who drafts him as a third tackle is going to be very happy. Uh, Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan is my fourth tackle. I'm higher on him than most right now, apparently. Uh, but he showed really good skills even last year as a sophomore in 2019 that I just, I thought he's got good movement ability. Uh, he's got a little bit to learn about the position in terms of technique and everything, but I think he can put it all together. I think it, you know, we talk about teams draft for traits and Mayfield has the traits, um, He's a guy that I think in most classes this would be an acceptable rating, but just it's a it's a deep class and people have their different preferences and and that's okay because there's going to be about ten guys in the first two rounds who who are drafted. Um, and, and I think he's I think he can develop into a good tackle. Uh, Sam Cosme is number five for me from Texas. Uh, he's a guy that I, I thought could have played his way into like being a, one of the top two or three tackles. Uh, this year, he didn't quite go his way on that one, uh, but he's got some good tape. I think he's a guy who he has the athleticism to do things. Let's get him some strength. Let's get him some. Let's get him some some good reps at the NFL level, and he's going to be just fine. I think he's going to be, uh, as you said, one of these left tackles in this class that get drafted maybe later on. He's like a late first rounder or second rounder who's still going to come in day one and start, and possibly have a good good. Uh, career now other than these guys like you said um dylan radon's north dakota state tevin jenkins i like is more of a run blocker right tackle alex leatherwood who can play tackle or guard uh, eichenberg who's technically sound walker little who's got the all all the measurables just didn't really play much the last two years because of injury and opting out um there's guys you can get in the third round who are steals just like you were saying so if you don't get a tackle start uh don't feel too bad it, it's there's still tackles there later Moving on to interior offensive linemen, sees guards and centers. Uh, this one is also, I think there's a lot of good guards and centers in this class too. I, I think there's, you know, everyone's focusing on the tackles, but there's some guys in the guards and centers to class that are, are going to be around for a while too. Oh, without a doubt. Um, I mean, a lot of these guys too, it, it's hard to rank, you know, who's a tackle, who's a guard, because a lot of these guys that I've rated in the kind of guard position because I don't, yeah, I think that's really where they're most well-suited for the NFL, play tackle in college. Um, so I'll just go down the list. Like Elijah Vera Tucker last year played left tackle for the USC. Uh, you know, did a very good job at it. Um, but, you know, just his arms coming in at 32 and one that's – I mean, I, I feel like he's really going to have to be in a very good scheme to be a tackle in the NFL. I think he'll kind of just – struggle a little bit, but I mean, you put him as guards, I mean, his, his strong hands, quick processing, uh, you know, he sustains, you know, blocks very well. Um, I mean, he's a pro bowl guard in my, my book. I think he's very technically sound. Um, I think he's one of the safer prospects here at Bellevue tournament guard. Um, so, you know, he, he could play tackle if you really are committed to that and you really think you have the right scheme. But I think it's a lot safer and we're talking, you know, a elite guard in the NFL type of player. You know, maybe not he's not on the same level Quentin Nelson was, but I think he's a, a 
high quality guard that should definitely go, you know, in the top 20 picks. If he goes top 15, I wouldn't really be mad about it. Um, number two for me, you know, I absolutely love Landon Dickerson. A lot of guys, myself included, think, you know, he could be, a, you know, an all pro NFL guard um, if he stays healthy. Um, that's kind of the big question with him. I mean, he is a big man at 6'5", 330 pounds, um, you know, kind of in that classic Alabama lineman mold. Um, so, I mean, he's shown really everything. He can play guard or center. Um, I mean, he's absolutely tough, you know, very smart tactician as well. It's really just the medicals with him. And I think, you know, if on a team that, you know, is picking in the second round and he's there, um, you know, and I've done my homework and I, I like what I'm seeing from the medical eval, I'm taking him because, honestly, I think he really does have that that very high ceiling um, from everything I've seen. The problem is just the floor is a decent amount lower than uh, Vera Tucker's is just because he has the injury history. Um, for me, number three, I got Leatherwood. I got him projected at guard. I mean, I think he could be a tackle as well, but for the sake of this, I, I put him at guard. Um, another really, you know, another absolutely great player, played tackle at Alabama as well. Um, you know, he could survive on the edges and everything, but, you know, it's really just the smarts. Um, you know, he's not unnecessarily explosive, but he's a very strong pass, you know, pass blocker. And, you know, he has good hands to really cover up the speed rush. Um, but, yeah, I mean, overall, I think he is a very functional guy, solid base. And, I mean, I, I like what I see out of him. Um, I also, you know, Jalen Mayfield's my number four. Um, you have him kind of in the tackle class as well. But, you know, I think, again, another guy that I think will be a lot more suited to play guard in the NFL. Um, really, I think all of his skills really get maximized at the guard spot because he has the coordination and power. Um, really, from day one to start out there, I think he'll struggle a little bit more on the edge. Uh, but, I mean, these guys, all, all these four guys, I think will be, you know, top half guards without a doubt in my mind um and then i mean five i'm going creed humphreys uh the pure center out of alabama you know he's a very smart guy which is what you want out of your center um you know he's not necessarily the most athletic but um he's got a good explosive first step you know strong hand placement you know he's so i mean it's he's kind of your prototypical center He's not an absolutely elite prospect when it comes to the center prospects we've seen through the years, like an Alex Mack or something. But, you know, I think you take him in the second round, um, you'll be very happy with what you get. And then, I mean, the list keeps going on. You got Wyatt Davis, who, honestly, the only reason he's lower on this list is because, you know, he is kind of almost that pure guard that just doesn't have the same athleticism, but go play tackle like a lot of guys here do, but I think he'll play very well. You got the huge man, Dante Brown out of Alabama, you know, coming in 6'3", 345 pounds. You know, he's an absolutely massive, um, you know, it's just more, if he's going to struggle against speed. I mean, Jackson Carmen, you could say he's a tackle or a guard, Trey Smith out of Tennessee. I mean, again, like, this, if this is a great offensive line class, you know, I if you're in any way not 
100% set at guard or tackle, and he's got some aging guys even. This is the class, you know, take one or two guys, double up, you know, really maximize what you're getting out of this class because, honestly, there's a dearth of NFL-quality linemen out there. Um, you know, there's not really prospect classes like this that come out very often, and it's becoming rarer and rarer at that because of the way – how hard it's becoming to evaluate tackles in college because of what they're asked to do in college versus what they'll have to do in the NFL. So if you're in any need of one, this is the year to go out there and and take a guy. Even if it's not an absolute need right now, you can always use more offensive line depth. Absolutely. And that, that's why, again, we're going to see a lot of changes in these rankings between me and you at this, this position, because it is so deep and there is, it's about preference almost at this point. There's, Definitely guys you can rank higher than others because of that. Uh, my number one is Wyatt Davis. Powerful guard. I think he's going to have a good career. Um, if, you know, maybe wondering, he's kind of fallen down mock drafts. He was in a lot of first-round mock drafts, including my own back three, four months ago. He's kind of fallen. Um, a lot of people do question that athletic ability. But he was invited to attend the NFL draft live in person. So I think he's going to be one, a top 50 pick, uh, you know, which for guards is, is still impressive to be a top 50 pick. Uh, his dad is an actor who played Alvin Mack in the program. Uh, he also played, I think it was Jerry Thornton in Little Big League. That's pretty cool. Uh, so that's definitely why he's number one on my board is because of that. Um, Elijah Vera Tucker is my number two. He's going to be a very good guard in this league. As you said, he played tackle. He played well, but just NFL length, NFL speed. Moving him into guard where he can be more athletic than the guys he's facing. He's still going to have the strength to deal with them and I think he's going to have a very successful career as well. Three for me is Landon Dickerson. You hit the nail on the head when you said it's about injuries. Um, he's a guy who could end up being a bust because of injuries, which I don't like to classify those guys as bust. You can't really help that. Uh, or he could be an all-pro guard or center. He's he's done it all. He plays guard, center, even played tackle. Florida State and Alabama. But he has so many injuries. He is one of maybe the top five guys that if NFL teams have doctors – they're having him check out that guy to see if his injuries are going to, you know, maybe slow him down. There's another guy we're going to get to in the edge class here in a second, but uh, he's definitely up there as well. Uh, Creed Humphrey is my number four. He, I question his athleticism, but you're right. He's smart and he tested well athletically. So let's see if he can bring that onto the field. He's a guy who's, who's going to, I think going to start in the NFL for a while. He's just a smart center. Who's, who's going to tap into the athletic ability a little bit and be able to call things out for, for his quarterback and get the whole team lined up. Um, that's To me, I think that's that's invaluable, and if a team is in the second round and takes him, I'm not going to bat an eye. He's, he's worth the pick. Number five, not everyone has gotten to watch his tape yet or has, has really loved him, but Aaron Banks out of Notre Dame. He was probably, other than Liam Eikenberg, the best offensive lineman on Notre Dame. Um, he's It was a very talented offensive line as well, and – I think he's got a good combination of athleticism and, and, and power, and he's going to be a guy uh, that teams could get very good value on as, as a, maybe the fifth often interior offensive lineman uh, taken in the draft. I'm higher on him than a lot of people, but I do think he's going to pan out. As you said, you mentioned some other names, so I'm going to mention another one too. Quinn Miners from Wisconsin Whitewater. Uh, everyone loves him because he had the belly shirt, you know, senior bowl and everything where he's showing the belly and, He's, you know, he might be Division three, but he can play. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network has him as a top 50 player. So just another one to add to your list of guys to watch. He's a guy who could probably 
uh, be a guy who plays for a long time. He might need a little bit of time to adjust from Division three to NFL, but but he's he's got the physicality and the athleticism. All right, we're moving on to defense now. We have the edge class up first. Cecil, to me, this is one that has um, maybe not the best edge class in the world, but uh, let's talk about it anyway. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely one of the weaker edge classes we've seen in a long time. Uh, I mean, I think the biggest problem with this class is a lot of these guys seem like works in progress. Um, none of them are really polished prospects um, in a lot of ways. Almost all of them are not. Um Number one for me is Aziz Ojolari out of Georgia. Um, he doesn't have the prototypical pass, you know, size at 6'2", 250, you know. But, I mean, he's just a very explosive kind of athlete. Um, a lot of ways he reminds me of, you know, Carl Lawson or Yannick Gakwe. A lot of people look at him. Um, so, I just, you know, he's not the biggest guy in the world. But, I mean, he's just got a huge motor, you know. He really, you know, he is an absolutely great, you know, pass rusher. I mean, he's he's everything that you project. You know, he, he doesn't have the size, but everything else you'd want, he, it's right there for you. And, he, you know, he is on the younger end of the spectrum. You know, um, he is under 21 as of right now. So, you know, he's the guy who also is only going to get better. But, yeah, I, I like him as my number one. Uh, number two for me, I'm going with Phillips. Um, again, I for these edge class, maybe you take these guys, you take a role of the guys at the end of round one with these top guys. Um, but really, I think none of them are even worth a top 20 pick. Um, Jalen Phillips, you know, great size and everything, but has really huge health problems. Um, you know, there's really questions in his medical history that I, you know, you don't know if he is really going to be able to stick around in the NFL and that can be a huge problem for a first round pick. So, um, but other than that, I mean, he's got the body type and the athleticism, you know, he has good instincts as well. Um, you know, he, I mean, he's a high energy guy. If there wasn't the medical history, um, you know, he'd be much higher on this list and be kind of more that normal, you know, almost top 10 pick kind of guy. Um, but yeah, the health is just too much a concern for me. Um, number three for me is Quiddy Payne. Um, I think what happened a lot with him is he didn't really get the chance to be the edge rusher as much. He was playing a little bit more inside for Michigan. Um, but really, he, he's got violent hands. He's very explosive. Um, you know, I think he needs to add a little bit more to his pass rushing skill sets. He doesn't really have enough moves. Um, but he's great against the run as well, which is something some of these guys can't say as well. Um, you know, he can fit into multiple schemes, uh, either a 4-3 or 3-4. Um, and, you know, I, again, he's kind of a project as well. But he can go late first round. And, you know, you'd be happy with what you got out of it. Um, number four for me, I, I'm going – with uh basham i you know i really like him i think you know he's more of a maybe a three four edge kind of guy um but you know he's he's got great size you know i liked what i saw out of him wake fours you know he's really kind of fallen down draft boards because some people think he, you know he didn't really develop as the pass rusher they needed him to um but i mean 
again, he's shown, you know, above average ability at times. He's a great run stopper as well, which, um, you know, is something you haven't seen as much. And then five for me, I'm going with uh, Greg Rousseau out of Miami. Um, you know, I had a great sophomore, you know, registered sophomore season. Um, whatever it was, um, opted out last year. Um, biggest thing with him is you're, I think he has the biggest bust potential. I think, you know, you're really just leaning on what you saw in that one year. Um, and, and it's all traits for him at all times. Um, you know, he has a big ceiling and he definitely has the biggest floor as well, because, you know, we, we really haven't seen that much of him. Um, so, I mean, I've seen him where he's the number one rusher on people's boards, and I, I've seen him all the way down to, you know, eight, nine on some people's boards because they go, it's, we're all just looking at, you know, very limited tape on this guy. So, I I keep him kind of in the middle ground at five because I, I just do not like the bust potential that he has. Well, that's going to gonna bring me to my top pass rusher, C. So, I got Russo at number one still. Um, I think he, more than so many other players, has been hurt by opting out the 2020 season, by at least by the, the media. Um, yes, does he need to add a lot of things to his game? Does he need to add more pass rushing moves? And does he not maybe have the best flexibility? Yes, but I think everyone's discounting what he does do well. He's very athletic. He's got the size. I think he's got the power um, to, to really be, to be a good pass rusher. You have to think more of like a Calais Campbell type player than maybe the most bendy, edgy type players in the, the we've, that we've come accustomed to loving in the pros. And and I just think he's being overlooked. Uh, apparently, some media guys like Daniel Jeremiah agree with me. The NFL apparently does not agree with me. Uh, it remains to be seen, but I think it's 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 kind of unfair to dismiss what he did as a sophomore. Uh, I think he's going to be a solid pro, but uh, only time will tell. Number two for me is Aziz Ojulari. He is that guy that I was just talking about who bends well, who's athletic, who's explosive. Uh, he's a guy who could play 3-4 outside linebacker and be really good. That's that's what he did in college. He can move to 4-3 end. I'll be happy with him. Uh, he can bend. He, he's, you know, he's a guy who I think he's, he's going to get better and better as time goes on. Uh, Quiddy Pay is number three for me. Uh, he's explosive. He's got some power, some pop in his hands, but uh, doesn't really have the greatest production. As you said, Michigan didn't really give him that opportunity, but still would have liked to see a little bit more. Uh, he was at one time everyone's favorite edge rusher number one, uh, but really started falling down boards as I think more people discovered uh, Azizo Jolari and Jalen Phillips, uh, which takes me to Jalen Phillips. He's my number four. He's big. He's fast. He's strong. He's athletic. He tested well. But as you said, the injuries concern me. It's not just the concussions. It's also, I think, a foot injury. But he's you got to get that stuff checked out. He had to almost retire from football at UCLA. If he gets one more concussion, is he done? Is it worth the pick? He's a guy I probably wouldn't touch in the first round, if I'm being honest. He, the talent's there, but, I mean, we have verifiable injury information about him. And I don't think you can feel great about drafting him Um in the first round, just because he could be the tomorrow. He could be done. Uh, number five for me, Ronnie Perkins out of Oklahoma. He's, he's can do a little bit of everything. Well, he's got some power. He can bend. Well, he gets after the quarterback. I, I think he's a guy who is, um, you know, he kind of rose up draft boards maybe in February and now it's kind of like slowly falling back down. But I think he's a, a guy that teams will value as well. Um, and, and, 
I think he's a, he's a guy who can have a solid career as well. And if he goes first round, I think that's fine. If he goes second round, that's fine too. I think he's he's a guy who can help right away. All right, defensive line class sees. This is a class that one NFL scout said is the worst defensive line class he's ever seen, and I'm inclined to agree with them. I don't think it's very good either. So what do you got, Cease? Yeah, um, I, I'm in the same boat here. I mean, the defensive tackle plus the edge rushing class, it's – I've never really seen – I've never – I mean, since I've really covered and really looked at the draft like this, I've never seen it where – we're looking and going, yeah, absolutely not. Do not take any defensive linemen or edge rushers in the top ten. Like I just, I've never seen that. I've never even seen it where you know, maybe that's in the discussion, but I've just never seen where it's like, yeah, if you're taking one of these guys in the top half of the draft, you're you're wasting your time. Because <laughs> um, and you know, some of that does have to do with some of the offensive guys, and you know, we'll get to the the cornerback class as well in a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, it really is just an absolutely weak class. Um, I mean, top of defensive line, you've got, you know, Christian Barrymore or Barrymore out of Alabama. Uh, he really is the only, you know, good overall prospect for the defensive tackle class. He's the only one really worth taking the first round. Um, you know, he is, you know, raw by any means. Um, I mean, but he plays, he's strong, you know, he's very explosive, good energy. Um, you know, he, he is versatile. He could kind of, depending on the scheme, if it's a 3-4, you know, maybe rush kind of more, you know, off the edge. Um, but really, I mean, it's just the inexperience. You know, he is not, you know, a long-term starter for Alabama. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he performed well in the year. He's a one-year starter. Um, you know, it's a 3-4 scheme. I think he'll do fine 3-4 or a 4-3 um, but yeah, I mean, he, he looks great on tape and I think he will have a good NFL career. He's just not absolutely, you know, overwhelming, especially when you think of some of the guys and defensive tackles that have been at the top of, you know, classes through, through the years. Um, you know, number two is, uh, for me, Levi on, on Warsariki. I hope I said that right. Um, probably not though. Um, let me try it again. Own Zurike. I, you know, I did say it right. Look at that. Um, <laughs> yep, Levi. Um, you know, he's kind of a tweener type. Um, you know, he's he's a very twitchy, fast guy. Um, so he could be, a, you know, a decent three technique in the NFL. But, again, I don't think he's, you know, absolutely great by any means. Um you know, he just doesn't really have the ability to add extra pounds, and he is a little smaller um, right now, Which and you, you'd kind of want him to be a little bigger. Um, three, I'm going with, uh, uh, what's his face, Marvin, uh, Marvin Wilson. Um, for me, you know, out of Florida State, I think he is a, you know, I think he's got decent size. You know, there's nothing, I'm not really saying – Anything wows me about him, but I think he's going to be kind of more of a a safe rotational guy in a lot of ways. Um, you know, so really that that's kind of where I am with him. Um, four, I'm going with Milton Williams, who could kind of you know depending on what you know scheme you're in, uh, you know three four edge guy or you know four three you know three technique type. 
Um, you know, not the best measurables, but he's got an absolutely great motor, and he is very athletic and does very well in that kind of testing. Um, some people, you know, he's played at a smaller school in uh, Louisiana Tech, but, you know, some people think he could go as high as the top of the third round. Um, you know, probably more of a fourth round prospect, to be honest, but I think he does have that higher ceiling um, and is kind of one of those just undersized tackles who is, you know, very athletic and, you know, if he puts it together in the NFL, could be, you know, a home run kind of guy in the middle rounds. And we've seen that a lot of times at defensive tackle um, because people really don't know what, you know, exactly they're looking for, what's going to translate. And then last for me, I'm going with uh, Jay Twelfi. Uh, I, I, you know, I some of these guys' names, especially um, out at USC, I always have to struggle. I always struggle with. Tufele. Um, Tufele. That's yep. You're right. You got it. Um, <laughs> another American Samoa guy. So you know, uh, big boy, six two, three oh five. You know, he maybe needs to develop as a pass rusher and learn to shed blocks a little bit more. You know, but he's quick off the ball and, you know, shows a good motor um, when he is motivated and shows, you know, is hot. Um, so, you know, I think he'll be a decent starting three technique as well. Um, so, yeah, that's my top five. Not the most inspiring bunch in the world. I mean, really, this is – I'm. If I'm a guy, unless Barrymore's there at the end of the first, um, if I'm looking defensive line, I I would have really heavily thought let's address it free agency and get you know a rotational guy in the middle rounds, you know, and you know let's not really even think about defensive line too much because you take a defensive lineman really, you know, especially a defensive tackle in the first two rounds and let's Barrymore. Uh, I feel like really it's not, it's the opportunity cost more than anything. I mean, there's so many good classes that, you know, in the round two, you're getting first round like talent um, and defensive linemen, you get round two will probably really be more of a, you know, third, fourth rounder in a lot of defensive line classes. Yeah, it's, it's just a really bad class. And as, as you said, Barmore is the only one. He's my number one. He's the only one you can take in round one. Um, I wouldn't take him before pick 15. After that, fine, whatever you got to do. But um, not the most impressive um, the class overall, but you know, that's what happens. Uh, some years, just some down years. And he's a guy who's fundamentally sound. He's going to be a good player. Uh, I don't think he has the elite traits that maybe some defensive linemen have that go early first round. Number two for me, Aleem McNeil, the defensive tackle out of NC State. He can play nose tackle. He's six foot two, three twenty. He's good with bull rushing, uh, good hand hand usage, and he also is good in run defense, which is you know good because he just he eats up double teams, allowing other people to make the play make the plays. Just perfect defensive tackle mindset there. Um, not, and from him on down, I wouldn't take any of these guys until mid second, really, honestly. Uh, if not later, number three, Marvin Wilson for me. This is a guy who who I think he's undervalued a little bit by a lot of people, at least on on the internet interwebs. It's just, you know, he had a bad twenty twenty season, but if you look at his twenty nineteen tape, everyone thought he was going to be a great player. I think we just got to buy into that. This is such a bad class that I think you can say, hey, this guy played really well in two thousand nineteen. Let's take our chances and draft him. Um, he's got he's got some strength. He's got He's going to be able to, I think, 
be disruptive at the NFL level because of that strength. Um, and like I said, you know, go with that 2019 tape because some of these other guys have improved anything. Four for me, Davion Nixon out of Iowa. He's a guy who attacks gaps, man. He, he, I mean, gap integrity isn't really something he's heard of or, or playing disciplined. He just attacks the gaps. He blows up plays by getting skinny, getting in, you know, being quick and agile. Um, he, he can, he can definitely do stuff, stuff like that. It's just, um, you know, can he pass rush that well? Does he, I mean, is he going to add more moves other than his good swim move? Stuff like that is, is questions for him. He can be a successful player, but uh, but definitely a guy who's just is mostly attacking gaps. Uh, number five for me is Levi Onwuzurike out of Washington, as you mentioned. Um, as you said, a little bit undersized. He's got solid burst, which I like, and he's a solid athlete. Uh, but he does get fooled by misdirections, play actions, and um, you know, he just doesn't have the size to really be taking on those double teams. Uh, and, and Washington did play him out of position at nose tackle. He should, really shouldn't be a nose tackle. He should be a four, three defensive tackle, but he's, he's a guy who, who has some upside in this class, but you know, after Barmore, you're really throwing darts at a board, honestly. So we'll see what happens. There's guys like Bobby Brown, Jalen Twyman, who are down there too. Milton Williams, as you said, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think, I think if you don't get Barmore, you should just, you're just kind of hoping and praying. Moving on to the linebacker class and sees this is this is a class that I actually kind of like. It's not the deepest, it's but it's it's I guess I should say this. It doesn't have the most elite talent, depending on how you view Micah Parsons. Uh, but it has some. It, there's some players you can get in the second, third round that had big impacts in college. Right. Now, I mean, I really like the top half. You know, the top half of the linebacker class as well. Um, you know, we'll start it off number one, like you said. I really think it is Micah Parsons, absolutely. Um, I mean, he, he's a younger guy, um, you know, high motor. I mean, he, he's really impressive. I mean, he's got the size. I mean, he's got that combo size and speed, everything you're kind of looking out of a linebacker. Um, I mean, he could really be that next star middle linebacker type in the NFL. Um, he really has that makeup, and you see it on tape. Um, I mean, he's just – He's strong, you know, great recovery, good field vision. Um, but really, the biggest thing for him is his character. It's all, you know, that's what's really freaking me out about him. That's why I think I'm not picking him in the top ten if I'm a uh, NFL team, just because there's there's some questions, allegations out at Penn State. Um, you know, I'm not here to comment on whether I, you know, they're accurate or not, um, but they do exist and, and they are quite jarring and something that, you know, he's not a high character guy and that can be some question marks. And that's something I, you know, I'd be concerned about as a top 10 pick who's supposed to be a cornerstone of my franchise. You know, I, you know, I think you can roll the dice and if there's strong locker room presence. I think he'll do fine and be a very great linebacker. He has that potential, but his character, I mean, depending on where he goes and the people around him, uh, it could turn, you know, bad quickly and that talent can wash away if, if things don't go right. Uh, number two for me is definitely Jeremiah Owusu-Koramora. Owusu, Owusu, well, let me say it. Owusu-Koramora. Koramoa. Look at that. You got I it. say it mostly right. I didn't butcher it completely. It's mostly because I, I watched enough Notre Dame games during the season. Um, but, um, 
really, I mean, I think he's, you know, I think he's another really one-step explosive guy, you know, a rangy type who, you know, really can play all over the linebacker position, can do everything the coaches really hope he can do. You know, he can play linebacker, you know, be more of a coverage guy as well, which is, you know, more and more valuable each year as the NFL, you know, with the passing offenses that are out there now. Um, so really, you know, he's, he's more the normal rangy new age linebacker type, um, that I really think works, you know, well, and he does have that explosion as well, but sometimes, you know, he, he overreacts or doesn't read plays correctly and it gets him in a lot of trouble. Um, you know, it's just kind of, you know, undisciplined jumping over and, you know, it's, that's kind of stuff that can be worked on. But, I mean, he just does have that good flexibility. Um, three for me is definitely J- Jamin Davis out of Kentucky. You know, he's that very explosive guy, um, too. Um, makes a lot of plays, played really well, played really fast at Kentucky last year. Um, you know, he really knows where the ball is. And, you know, has that good insight to really see the play develop and make a play. Um, you know, he's a guy who's going to chase you down, um, at linebacker, you know, it's, he's a faster guy. Um, you know, he's, you know, I, I really like all three of these top guys besides Parsons character issues. Um, you know, I think they're all worthy of, you know, first round, honestly, right around top 20 picks, you know, right after that, the playoff team's going to be very happy, you know, adding these guys to their roster. Um, Zayden Collins, some people are higher on than I am. Um, for me, the biggest thing is I just, you know, he doesn't really have the explosion that I like. It's more, you know, it's, he's there, he's around the ball, um, but he's not necessarily the, the playmaker that I'd like. I mean, he's got good size and, and ability, um, and he does have versatility to really, you know, play on 3-4, three, 4-3. Four, four, three. But a lot of times, you know, he, he fills in gaps. He, he knows what he's doing. Um, but I don't – he doesn't just jump off the tape to me the way these other linebackers do. Um, I, you know, I watch, you know, Davis or, you know, Parsons. And, you know, there's really – you go, wow, look at that explosion. Look at that hit. Um, I just don't feel the same way with Colin. Sometimes I feel like he really gets uh, – can be lost in the shuffle at times. Um, and then number five is Nick uh, Bolt. Uh, for me, he's kind of another smaller linebacker. Um, he, you know, he needs to work on coverage, but he's got the good instincts and, uh, you know, he's got a good mental processing to really be around the ball. I think, you know, he'll be a solid three-down linebacker, you know, a good round two guy. He's never, you know, he's going to be solid for a decent amount of years. I don't really see him as an elite player or somebody that's really going to be absolutely great. But if you're looking for, you know, a decent, you know, linebacker who is going to command the middle of your defense and really just get everybody in their spots and make, you know, smart plays, um, I, I think, you know, he's more than serviceable at that point. Wow, Cease. Uh, we actually have the same top five linebackers. That is a clean sweep uh, in the same order, too. Um <laughs> Micah Parsons for me, this is a guy who is would be seen as a top four or five player in this class. 
he is a unicorn in his own right for what he did defensively, but he opted out for this year, which I think has affected more players than people will ever give it credit for. And he has those character issues, which we don't really know if they happened or if it matters because uh, Yitor Gross Matos had the same character issues, had the same incidents go on according to reports. And we don't know, but he needs to work on his coverage. That's the biggest thing, but he is a game changer. He's got blazing speed. He proved it at the pro day, but he also proved it on tape. He can get after the quarterback. He can stop the run. He's a game changer. Jeremiah Usukoromoa, Notre Dame, as you said, uh, some people th- say he's, he's more of a safety, but the way NFL is going now, like he's going to be like a, you know, at the very least a, a linebacker who can cover, I think. Um, show the good coverage skills. He has a knack for making big plays, returning stuff for fumbles for touchdowns. Um, kind of all over the f- field, plays like his hair is on fire. Uh, g- going to be an absolute star in the NFL because of the era we're playing in, which is he is a coverage linebacker, uh, which everyone needs. So that's that's going to be good for him. Number three, Jamin Davis from Kentucky. He is the prototypical linebacker you want. He is Big, fast, strong. He can stop the run. Um, He is newer to the position. He has one year of full starting experience. That's what people don't like. And people question his ability to cover because he doesn't have that experience. But I think he's going to be a big chess piece that people can use against tight ends because he is so big and can move so well. He proved that he can play against the pass in the bowl game, specifically against NC State. Had an interception that was pretty cool. Returned a decent amount. Number four, Zayvon Collins for me. Um, he's also decent in coverage. He reminds me of a Kyle Van Noy type. He could be, uh, you know, he could technically could rush off the edge. He's good at that too. He can cover. Um, he's good at stopping the run, but one of my problems with him is he doesn't play up to his size. He's a big guy, but he can sometimes get stuck in traffic when trying to get to the ball carry. He can be held up on blocks and have trouble shedding. That just shouldn't be an issue for a guy that big. So that's, that's kind of what I have going against him but he's a solid guy he, he probably get picked in the second round and, and some team will be pretty happy with what he provides and number five as you said nick bolton missouri athletic ability speed and range are concerns for him but he does probably have the best mental processing instincts just great eyes and diagnosing plays what is coming um he's a guy who's going to carve out a role for for that uh to start his career i think he might be a, a guy who sees the field on running downs and just first and second down and just help, uses his eyes to succeed um, before he can really develop that coverage that you were talking about he needs to develop, um, which may or may not be possible with his athletic limitations. But um, the eyes are going to keep him in the NFL. That's that's one of the most important parts of a body for a linebacker is those eyes, and he's definitely got them. All right, moving on to corner seats. This one is a – I mean, there's been some injuries at this position. There's some guys who've been pushed up to the first round that some people like, some people don't. Interesting position this year in the draft. It, it is. Um, you know, it's not an elite class, but, you know, there's a lot to like with a lot of these guys. But like you said, uh, injury history is playing a factor. Uh, number one for me, I'm doing Patrick Sertan, the second out of Alabama. You know, I think he's a very – you know, he's a polished prospect. Um you know what you're going to get with him. You know, he's, he's probably the safest of the cornerbacks as well. Um, you know, he's, I don't think he's, you know, the elite number one cornerback that we've seen in some classes, but you know, you know, he, he lacks kind of elite strength and, you know, kind of twitch, uh, you know, speed, but you know, he's instinctive. 
Uh, he kind of knows how to use his ability. You know, he's got decent enough speed. Uh, basically, he he knows how to make up for his weaknesses. Um, you know, he's a, he's a skilled athlete. And, you know, sometimes technique is the most important thing. And he shows he has that more than anybody. He, he has that instinctive ability. Um, so, I mean, he'll do well in the press, you know, corner situation. And I think he does have the ability to be a pro bowler. Um, you know, two for me, I'm a big uh, Caleb Fairley fan. Um, you know, some people like him as their number one. You know, it's really just, you know, his injuries are what really has become the big concern with him. But, you know, you got to love his physical tools. You know, he's a bigger corner, almost 6'2". Um, you know, as good tape at Virginia Tech. Um, you know, he has really good instincts and, and, you know, he's kind of a ball hawk kind of guy. Um, he knows how to make a play on the ball. So, you know, that's what I really like out of him. Uh, for me, I'm a, I like Greg Newsom as my number three. Um, another kind of faster guy. Um, but again, durability is the question. Um, you know, he, but he, I mean, he's really fluid with routes, you know, he gets thrown away his thrown his way a lot you know he, he makes plays off the ball he's got the natural instincts as well i mean all these guys are great press corners uh number four for me is jc horn um you know what i don't like about him is he in a lot of ways he's a very grabby corner and a, like he's the kind of guy where after every play he's looking the ref to see if he threw a flag because he, he is very contact oriented um, and you know, he really needs to work on kind of that finishing and staying disciplined with routes so he doesn't have to hold and use his hands like that because that's going to bite him majorly in the NFL if he can't fix that issue. Um, I mean, you know, Joe Horn is his dad, you know, that's a great NFL cornerback in his own right. Um, you know, he's, he's a good athlete overall, but you know, he's just, he needs, he needs to stay away from the hands. That's what really concerns me as a prospect. And then number five, you got to go, you know, Asante Samuels Jr., another, you know, son of a great longtime NFL cornerback out of Florida State. Um, you know, he doesn't have absolutely great, you know, athleticism. Um, you know, it's just. He's, he's kind of, you know, I guess he does, he is more athletic the more I look at some of these trades. But, I mean, really, it's just he's a smaller cornerback in this class, you know, coming in 5'10". But, I mean, that's more than serviceable. Um, you know, he's, yeah, I think he'll be fine in the NFL. I think all these guys will be starters. I think Asante Samuels might be more of a slot guy. Um, but really the question, if they can stay healthy, I think they'll all be NFL starters and be decent ones at that. Um, but there's just too many question marks in the injuries. Um, and Sertan is really the only one that doesn't have that injury concern. So that is why he ends up being the number one prospect for me. All right, I'm going Caleb Farley, number one. He is, as you mentioned, having back issues right now. Doctors say he's medically going to be fine. Uh, so I'm, I'm not too concerned. I think he's the most, a, most athletic corner in the class. He runs fast. He, he can match up with people. He's physical. Um, he opted out the 2020 season because of COVID complications with his family. Uh, so respect for that. 
And I think he's going to be the best man-to-man corner in this class when it's all said and done. Could be wrong about that. We're all wrong about stuff. But I, I do like what he brings to the table in that regard. Uh, Patrick Sertan, the second, is my is my second corner. Um, got the NFL pedigree there. Um, I'm concerned about the ball skills a little bit for him, but he can play man or zone, uh, obviously playing in that Alabama defense. And uh, I think he does have some decent length, so I, I think he can be disruptive. He's a guy that if you, if you take him as the first corner, I'm not too upset about it. Um, but I do think Farley's a little bit better. Uh, number three, J.C. Horn. You kind of mentioned it. It's a double-edged sword because I love the way he plays physical. He plays physical, more physical than any of the top guys in this class. He really bodies receivers, makes sure they earn everything, but he does grab a little bit too much too. Um, but I like the mindset. He's got to learn to tame that a little bit though. If he if he goes into the mindset with the mindset of, hey, I'm, I'm kicking butt here. I'm, I'm going to win this matchup. Um, I love that. He's, he's going to be just fine uh, in the NFL if he keeps on keeps that mentality and just, just hones in the grabbing. He'll be fine. Um, Asante Samuel Jr. is my number four. As you said, decent athlete, can mirror well, can, can, can cover well man-to-man. His size is an issue. I think he can still play outside because he's 5'11", and, and you know outside corners traditionally are around that size, um, even though they're going a little bigger now. Uh, I think he can play outside, but if a team wants to draft him at the end of the first or the second and put him at the slot instead and, and make his money there, slot corners are just as important these days in the NFL than, than outside corners, honestly. Like, they're not on the field all the time, but when they're on the field, they better be able to play. Um, and he, he can fit that role if that's needed, too. Greg Newsom is my number five. Um, he's a guy who maybe doesn't have the best ball skills, but he can cover, man. He can cover well, so... Um, man-to-man or zone, uh, I think he's, he's can mirror receivers well. The injury history does concern me, too. I think if he had more games played under his belt, he could be drafted higher in this draft class. We just haven't seen it as much, and the injuries do give some pause. He's grabby. He misses tackles, but he's got fluid hips, and he can keep up with receivers. That's something that a lot of NFL coaches will love. So I think he's number five. I think he gets taken at the end of the first or early second. But either way – uh, a good corner if he can stay healthy. All right, last position, see, so we got the safeties. Uh, there's one I really like, and then after that, there's a couple guys who are decent, but, uh, you know, maybe not the game-changing class for safeties. Right, yeah, I think it's it's an, it's an okay safety class. Uh, I'm the same way. I'm not, you know, I don't really have a guy that jumps out at me as much, um, but... I'll go through them. For me, it's uh, uh, Trayvon uh, Merrick, Merrick, um, you know, out of TCU. He's my number one safety. Um, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Jesse Bates. Um, he's kind of, you know, that athletic ball hockey, rangy type. Um, you know, so, I, you know, I think he has the most potential. Um, you know, he can start in the NFL right away you know, as split safety or single high. Um, and really, you know, I, you know, I think he can make a lot of plays. Um, I think he has the highest ceiling of all these guys. So that's why I have him at number one. Um, another one here, I got Richie Grant too out of UCF. Um, the biggest thing with him is it's just really, he's got to be more consistent. Um, you know, he has the range and the, you know, the, the eyes and vision on the field, and the you know, ball hawk kind of tendencies you want out of a safety. Um, 
but really he just needs to put it together, you know, game in and game out. Because there were times where, you know, he kind of disappeared and wasn't really a force to be reckoned with at times in games for UCF. Um, number three, I'm going to go with uh, Javon Holland out of Oregon. Um, again, a guy who is, you know, has some work he needs to do, both in coverage and run defense. Um, you know, he's got versatility, um, you know, more of that nickel safety type of guy, um, a little faster, ran the four four six, but, um, you know, he's got the athleticism. He just really needs to put it all together and kind of get that polished look because he just doesn't have the explosive speed that you really want from, uh, from a safety at times. Um, for me, number four, I'm going Andre Cisco out of Syracuse. Uh, again, a guy that he can be kind of overly aggressive, um, which can, you know, be a problem, but he's got the good range and playmaking ability. So, you know, if he cuts down on some of that negative stuff, he'll be a very, you know, above average safety in the NFL. But, I mean, the really, the thing is, it, you know, the aggressiveness is always a question. Uh, because do you want, you know, you want a guy who's aggressive and tough in the game of football, but, you know, you just got to somehow work on it where you use that to your advantage instead of letting it hurt you on, on stump penalties and things that really hurt you, you know, as a team that's even more magnified here on the next level. And then, you know, number four for me is uh, Hamza Nazarul Dean out of uh, Florida State, um, you know, Good size guy, 6'3", 215, um, you know, looks like a, you know, kind of, you know, not the uh, the kind of speed guy, more of the in-the-box safety type that's going to really, you know, come up and rush out of nowhere, you know, going to be really good in run support. Um, you know, he, he's got that kind of downfield mentality, that strong safety that you've always wanted. Um, he's not going to be your ball hawking free safety type. So if you're looking at your just natural, he's going to come up to the box and, and make a play. Um, he's kind of the safety you want out of all of these guys. All right. Same number one for me, Trayvon Merrig out of TCU. He can be trusted in deep zone. Uh, he's got good speed, good strength. Uh, he was a guy that was kind of touted as one of the best safeties in the class before the season, and he really held up this year too. Uh, if any other safety gets drafted first before him, I'll be very, very surprised. Number two for me, Hampson Nezreel Dean out of Florida State. You just mentioned uh, six foot three. He is a strong safety at heart. He's got long arms. I think he's going to be used to cover tight ends, but also, as you said, play in the play in the box. Um, he plays downhill. The thing for him is injury history. If he did not get injured, uh, I think he tore his ACL his junior, or excuse me, 2019, um, and, and it really affected him even going into 2020. If he didn't get injured, I think he might be the top safety in the class, but that injury held him back, and I think it is going to be a factor going forward. Um, Richie Grant is my third safety. He is a player who um, I would say – is pretty aware. He can be rangy. Um, he's got solid ball skills uh, and, and kind of, you know, 
can be a guy who plays at the back end of the defense really well uh, as a deep zone corner or deep zone safety, excuse me. Uh, there are some busted coverages there that he's got to clean up, but I think it'll get better at the pro level. Uh, Andre Cisco is my number four, too. He is the ultimate boom or bust safety. He's either going to make a great play on the ball or he's going to have busted coverage, and there is almost no in-between with him. Uh, played on a good sec- Syracuse secondary that has a couple guys who are going to be drafted, maybe three or four. Um, and, and he's he's really good. It's just you gotta you got to take – if you're going to draft him, you're going to take the good with the bad. He's going to have big plays. He's going to give up big plays. If you're okay with that, he's he's a good corner. Number five for me, Kerry Vincent. Some people have him as a, as a nickel corner, but he also played safety. He mostly played safety at LSU. Um, speed is the name of the game with this guy. He's a track star. He is so fast. He can cover well. That's obviously why he played corner. But he kind of lacks the strength that maybe most safeties have, the run support most safeties have. I think the league is kind of going to more guys who can cover anyway. Uh, but, you know, we talk about the NFL teams drafting for traits. His speed is probably the best out of the safety class. I, I don't know. I, I I don't know if that's a hundred percent true, but I would put him up against anyone. So I'm taking him in my fifth corner. Um, there's a couple other decent guys in there. James Wiggins, you know, Javon Holland, who you mentioned was really good too, but uh, those are my top five. So that leaves us with all the positions taken. Cease, you mentioned you wanted to talk a little bit about strategy. I know we have been talking for a long, long time, but uh, what, what do you want to say about strategy to get us, get us kind of at the end of here? Yeah. Um, I mean, the big thing here is, um, you know, the draft, you know, really, it really starts at three, like I said earlier. Um, real question here is if the 49ers take Mac Jones, what's the ripple effect going to be and who's going to be the benefactor here? Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, another team like the Broncos, the Patriots, um, trying to trade up and, you know, draft a quarterback. Um, but at, at the way this is going right now, um, I feel, you know, especially with the Panthers getting Sam Darnold. You know, the Lions seem decently committed to Jared Goff as of right now. Um, the Falcons seem, honestly, a lot. Of, some drafts have them going quarterback, but I don't think they will just because of all the money they've now pushed into the future for Matt Ryan. So a lot of these guys that we thought maybe take quarterbacks, I, I really don't see them doing it. Um, so really, the only thing that most of these guys have to worry about is you know, if you're the Broncos, I guess all you're worried about is, you know, maybe Bill Belichick jumping you because I don't think the Bears or the Redskins, or I'm sorry, the Washington football team are really going to mortgage too much to move up at this point, um, especially when you saw what it took just to go from 12 to 3. Um, so really, that's going to be the big thing. Is somebody going to trade up to 4 or 5 or 6? to kind of jump ahead of the Broncos or are the Broncos going to trade up? If you're smart, you're just going to wait because mortgaging, you know, picks right now, you know, the cost for these quarterbacks, I think is is starting to get a little too high for the quarterback prospects that, you know, you're going to get at four or five. Um, Now, you know, Mac Jones, third pick, maybe if Justin Fields is still there, I could see it being worth a trade up, but that's kind of the question. Um, other big things to kind of look for in this draft is going to be kind of 
you know, what receivers go first, you know, what are our teams really going to be waiting till the value, you know, are people really going to be waiting for wide receivers in the second, third round, same thing with offensive linemen. Um, so really it's just the talk of, you know, what, or what teams are really going to draft? Are they going to really panic and try to trade up for quarterbacks or are they actually going to stay put? Um, I mean, there's just so many things that could happen. So it, it really is just a factor and ripple effect of if Mac Jones does go off as number three quarterback, we're going to be in for, I think, uh, a flurry of moves. If Mac Jones is not the quarterback and they take, you know, Justin Fields, Trey Lance at three, I think we're going to see a lot more guys probably stay in put instead of uh, trading up. And I could honestly, if Mac Jones doesn't go three, I think, you know, I think he could slide all the way to the Patriots at 12 and honestly beyond that because I really, I really don't know why people are falling in love with Mac Jones. <laughs> yeah, you said it best, buddy. Um, I, I think it's just the nature of the draft of the quarterbacks, but I, I don't get it. And I, I think someone like Belichick maybe isn't a guy to take Mac Jones because he understands value. Um, he misses on a lot of picks. The Patriots aren't the greatest drafting team, don't get me wrong, but I think he understands value better than most. And I'd rather not take Mac Jones, but there's other teams who definitely will. And that's – I don't know. That's going to be crazy. Um, if you want a quarterback, as you said, the draft starts at three. If you want a quarterback, be calling up. If you want the fourth quarterback, call up to Atlanta and try to get them to give up that pick and just take them. Otherwise, you got to worry about other teams jumping up and taking them or whatever. And um, you just you go get the guy. If you don't, if you don't like the two guys who are left, which is probably going to be Lance Fields or Jones, if you don't like two of the three that are left there just take one later in the draft or just be good with what you have because we talked about it all season sees there's i mean yes some people are retired and made it a little bit worse but there's not i mean there's especially after the draft there's not too many teams who are going to need quarterbacks and that's a good thing for the league but don't reach on a quarterback just because you'll probably be drafting one next year in the first round if you do that all right sees any any final thoughts on the draft before we head off oh no um I think we've pretty well covered it. You know, we could go for a couple more hours just talking about prospects. And You know, at the end of the day, the NFL draft, you know, and this is what people got to remember. It's, it's all about a lot of times it's about where the ceiling is for this guy. Um, it's about where they're projecting and where he can still develop at times you know it's you know the nfl draft you know the data that people have on these players now and the different you know metrics that they put them up against you know i don't necessarily agree with all of them but there's a lot more information on these guys um so really it, it's it's just so amazing how much the nfl draft is developed as a you know event in the nfl season over probably the last decade um you know i remember you know grade school, high school, kind of, you know, on the very dawn of the internet, kind of looking up this, you know, draft stuff, you know, reading about prospects and things. And, um, you know, that was, you know, a couple websites back then. And that was really it. And then you watched the draft on, you know, ESPN and Mel Kuyper kind of told you what was what. And that you just kind of had to take his word for it almost. But there's just so much more access to, to film. You know, there's so many more people you know, active in the community now, it's it's just such a different animal than it once was. 
I agree. It's one of the most fun events of the year. You get to see young men get their dreams realized. You get to see your favorite team get some young, interesting prospects. And it's it's polarizing. And that's why we have, you know, I do draft coverage every year at the game house all year long. There's enough to talk about. There's enough to look at. And all the college games matter. So um, a lot to look at there. And, and we, as you said, we can go on for hours. We do it in personal conversation. And we are going to do it live during the draft next Thursday and Friday. April 29th and 30th, we'll be live probably on YouTube. We'll have it all on the Game House and social media links when we actually figure it out. Um, but we're going to be live doing the draft just like we do every year. What we bring as a draft team, we have a lot of good movie and TV show puns and, and jokes. That's number one. Number two, we will leak the picks as soon as we get them. You know, they're leaked all the time. If you watch the TV broadcast, they are not going to have the picks to you in a timely manner. They're going to have the phone call and then they don't show the phone call to the players anymore because they don't want to spoil anything and ruin the ratings, but we have the picks. So that those two things right there are good. Uh, number three, we have a decent producer. Number four, we have a lot of fun doing this. It is one of my favorite days of the year. It's one of Cecil's as well. The first two days of the draft. So come join us, have some fun. We will react to your comments. If you talk about the draft in the comments, we'll bring it up. Uh, come join us, have some fun, put it on in the background, play some video games, you know, do something else while you're listening to us talk about the draft and it'll be a fun time. All right. That's going to wrap up our show for tonight. Remember to join us next week for the draft. For now, I'm Joe DiTullio signing off for Cecil Walker. We'll see you guys later. Hey guys. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.